0: Welcome to the Mercy Commons Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that the Word of God encourages you and that the Holy Spirit empowers you. Uh, my name's Nick. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, this is our penultimate uh, James, and penultimate means second to last um, And uh, I'm excited, uh, super excited to be diving in, and um, yeah, let's just get going. I'm going to be reading James 5, verses 7 to 11. I'm going to be reading out of the ESV. Some of you got one of these little journals. If you didn't, then it'll be over there. You can see I'm wearing glasses because I can't see anymore. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Father, I want to thank you for the power of your word. I want to thank you for uh, the people that have suffered and even been martyred in the preservation of your word. I want to thank you that today we have easy access to it. I want to thank you more than that, that we have your Holy Spirit that is able to lead us into truth. Your Holy Spirit is what makes this book and these words alive, and so we pray for the power of your Spirit, for me, uh, in order to remain faithful to the preaching of your Word, and for us as hearers, that we would listen and obey. Amen. So last week, Travis was telling us about James talking to the rich oppressors. This week... He's basically changed and and, uh, after challenging the rich oppressors in terms of placing all their faith in their riches and exploiting their workers, he's now chosen to shift a little bit and he's talking to the faithful um, community of Jesus' followers. Now, this is basically a repetition of chapter one. and In chapter one, James talks a lot about trial and he talks about suffering. And he tells us that trials and persecution and oppression They help form and strengthen our faith. And he's reminding the hearers that the cries of suffering and the cries of the poor and the oppressed have been heard, just like the cries have been heard or had been heard during the time of the exodus. And he urges them to wait. And why would he urge them to wait? Because there was a group called the Zealots. And in those times, the Zealots were a highly nationalistic Jewish group that wanted to um, overthrow the Roman governments. And they had kind of infiltrated into the church. And James is saying, no, 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 we, we are going to patiently wait for the coming of the Lord so that he can take justice. Because there were these two kind of competing thoughts. So obviously, today's theme is about patience. Now, patience is not something that we are really good at. Well, let me say this. Patience is not something that I am very good at. And, and the reality is is that Amazon has really not helped with, with this. You know, I, I was reading this. It's four times the word patience is mentioned, twice the word steadfastness, which is a translation of patience is mentioned. I mean, guys, you can get stuff in a day, right? If you pick up your phone now, but well, don't do it now. If you pick up your phone, you hit buy now, and we're in LA, you probably get it tomorrow. Now, Amazon has this thing where it tells you Um, your delivery is five stops away, you know? And so just like we needed any help to not be patient, we we now have Amazon as a tool of the enemy to help us with our impatience, right? (laughs) I'm impatient about a lot of things. Lacey was at my house um, a couple of, well, almost a year ago, and we were were just saying, well, what do we have to eat? Um, we, We have some leftover soup. Now, how many of you guys know what Pyrex is? Pyrex is designed to take out of the freezer and put directly into the oven, and and the whole trick with Pyrex is basically that it's safe to be able to do that. You take it out of the freezer, you put it into the oven, okay. So we have this bowl of soup in a Pyrex dish, and um, I'm like, I don't want to wait for the oven to heat up, and I don't want to put it into a saucepan, and this is just going to take long. Let's just put the Pyrex bowl onto the power burner, and but like you're all saying like okay let's just put the pyrex dish onto the power burner and we'll just turn it up because if the pyrex dish can take freezing temperatures into the oven surely this will work so i take the bowl of soup and i have to mention at this stage karen is not a fan of this idea okay neither was lacy you know you know yeah, so, so I'm like, whatever, this is why it was designed. And I, and I put it on the burner, and I turn the burner on. And so we're all like standing there, and we're watching. And then as I go to put the ladle in to stir the soup, just to, to kind of make sure that it's happening, the whole thing explodes. I mean... We had pieces of chicken and celery and glass hitting the roof. Like weeks afterwards, I was finding pieces of glass in our lounge, you know. This thing had sh- Thank goodness no one had got hurt by this, you know. And that is my experience with patience, you know. Or rather, my experience with impatience. So, so even as reading this and going through this, I'm like, God, you've got to help me because this is not something where I'm really far ahead and helping a congregation. Come on over here where patience is cool. I'm really, I'm really over here and everyone else is here and I'm saying, I'm coming, I'm coming, you know, <laughs> with, with, with the patience thing. The thing about patience is our experience of God's patience and our patience is, is very, very different. It's different between, because God's, Motive and outcome for patience is different to ours. God's patience is exercised in connection to judgment and Him being slow to anger. In Nahum 1 verse 3, it says, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. Now, you exercise patience. This is important. You exercise patience when you have the power and the right to act but you don't. Now, God has the power and the right to act, but he doesn't. This is an exercise of patience on our behalf. Now, the exercise of patience is not just waiting. Waiting is oftentimes where we are just forced to wait. We don't have the power or the right to do anything about it, but the exercise of patience is both a virtue and And the fruit of the Spirit. And hopefully, as we read through James, we'll be able to get some handles on how that can impact our lives. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness. In other words, people are asking Peter, what is happening? Why is the Lord not coming? Is He slow? Has He forgotten? What is going on? And he says, no, but He is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. God's patience is there for us because he can act in a moment, like he did with Exodus and Moses, like he did with Jesus, like he's done countless times throughout history. And the fact that he is not acting does not mean that he is not powerful. The fact that he is not acting now means that he is patient with us. There's also a purity to God's patience that's actually not often um, connected with our exercise of, of patience. When uh, we are often pressured to be patient because it's socially acceptable, right? It's not necessarily socially acceptable to just lose your stuff every time something goes wrong, right? It's, it's generally not. And we see that in traffic is probably the time where we think, okay, maybe it's socially acceptable in, in those kinds of contexts. I'm not saying it is. But, but oftentimes we think we're exercising patience, but we're actually just pressured into a social convention, Um, Sometimes we think we're exercising patience, but the reality is we can't do anything about the situation. We're not like God where we could change it. We think we're exercising patience, but we're not. Or we're exercising patience externally and we're pretending like everything is fine and and I'm okay, serenity now. And inside I'm just raging and I can't believe that this plane has landed 20 minutes early and we're sitting on the tarmac (laughs) waiting for a gate. Why did we land early then? You're just teasing me. Come on, man. (laughs) Then everyone stands up As the plane lands, I'm like, where are you going to go? What is happening here? (laughs) Clearly, I have a lot to learn when it comes to patience. So this morning, we're going to look at the fact that patience is active. It's easier to be patient in the context of circumstances rather than with people. Um, And that patience and the exercise of patience is an honest transaction with God. Patience is active. Verse 7, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until he receives the early and late rains. Now, those of you know that a farmer is being patient, but he's not idle and he's not fatalistic. There is a connection between the idea of the early and the late rains. So in the Israeli climate, in, in, which is where they were in the, in the near, middle, near Middle East, huh? Tom, what? Whatever, there, okay? <laughs> you had early rains. The purpose of the early rain um, was to nourish the seed, and then what would happen is that the seed would pop through the ground, and that would cause the seed to germinate. The late rain was important because what it did, what it did was it provided fruitfulness. And so what happens is we are patient, and we wait, and then suddenly we have the early rain, and we're like, great, now we're going to see fruit. Now, those of you that have been in my garden, I'm trying to kind of get my garden to a nice place, and we have two, two vines in my garden. We have the jasmine, um, and we have this yellow thing. I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm clearly not a gardener um, because I get out every morning, and I look at this, at this piece that I'm training, this little tendril, right? Right? Um, and every morning I come out, and every morning it's gone its own way. So every morning I come out and I just train it around this thing. Um, now, as a farmer and as Christians that are responding to this world, there are things that we are called to do in the context of our lives. You know, as, as farmers, we're, we're supposed to protect the crop. We're supposed to tend to the crop. But what James is speaking about here is there are certain things that are just out of your control. And the rain and the latter rain, the early rain and the latter rain, are those things. Now, when, when we exercise patience, that doesn't mean that we're just fatalistic. And we're like, okay, kind of whatever will happen. One of the things that we need wisdom for, which James already spoke to us about in chapter 3, is being able to identify, is this part of my job as a farmer, so to speak, to be able to tend to this situation? Or am I just simply to wait After having done what I've done to see the early and the latter rain. Does that make sense? There are patterns and cycles that we work with. um, But most of the time, we just lose patience when we see the first rain. The second thing that we realize when when trying to understand that patience is an active thing and not just a, a passive thing is understanding who has the power. If you believe that you have the power over your own life, to change your circumstances, to do whatever it is that you want to do. I have the power. He-Man, right? Too old for that. Someone remembers He-Man here, right? Okay. Um, if you don't, I'll tell you later. It's not as bad as it sounds, okay? Is it as bad? By the power of great. Anyway, okay. If you believe... Stop Stop messing me around here. If you... If you believe you have the power to change your circumstances, then are you exercising patience? No, you're not. If you believe someone else has the power, like a government, like your boss, like a different person, are you exercising patience? No, you are just deferring to a power relationship. So that's an important thing to understand because we do do those things. But if you believe that God is in control, you are then able to exercise a spirit-empowered patience. What's important to do is ask this question: Is the thing that I am praying for and waiting for within God's will and purpose for me? Right? We spoke about this a couple of weeks ago when, when James was talking about our passions and we don't have because we don't ask, and we when we do ask, we ask in order to fulfill our passion. So, so James is telling us, make sure what you're asking is in line with God's will and purpose for me. And then the second thing is equally important. Am I willing to submit to his timing if I am to receive this, or am I willing to submit to the fact that he knows better and I'm not going to receive this, even if I know it's the will of God? So I'll give you an example. 2017, um, we came across this building. How many of you guys remember? We were going to buy this building. I was so excited. And what made me even more excited was the fact that God, I felt like God speak to me. Um, lilies and the image of lilies has been an important image for Karin and I because when we left South Africa to come here, in the middle of the night, I woke up in a panic. I'm not usually given to panic I know that's hard to believe, but I'm not usually given to panic. But I woke up in the middle of the night, I said to Karin, I can't believe what we've done. I mean, I mean messing up my life is one thing, but I'm going to mess up your life. And now this, this child, this like 14-month-old year child, she doesn't have a choice. I don't know what I've done, what is, what is happening, what is going on. And Karin stayed awake the whole night praying. The next morning, we didn't know this, but the next morning, um, a lily had flowered in our, in our yard. Um, And God spoke to Karen and spoke to her uh, out of the passage in Luke, um, where Jesus is telling his disciples not to worry um, about tomorrow, because even the lilies, um, even Solomon in all his splendor was not robed like a lily. And so lilies have been an important feature in our lives every time we come to a place of God's provision or is God able to do it or having faith in God a lily is an important image for us we have lilies in our in our lounge those of you that have been there so I come to the church and what do I see here the stained glass of lilies and I'm like yes this is ours and we sat there, carry on, you can carry on, Steph, and, and we look at it, and here's the lilies from the outside, it's beautiful, God, it's right there, it's in the middle of downtown, um, it, it'll seat all of us, Okay, yeah, this is pretty ugly, it wouldn't look like this for us, but um, you know, and here we are with the elders, and we are praying, and we're not, we're not praying, God, we're not praying, God, will you give this to us, it's, it's more of a, God, we know you're going to give this to us. Are we in that building? (laughs) We're not in that building. God knows better. And so for me, I know that it is God's will to bless us as a community. I know that it is God's will to give us a building. I know that. I've gone before God and I've sought Him, but I also am choosing to submit to God in His timing and if He knows better. And actually, Megan and other people have come to me and said, actually, that wouldn't have been good for us. Uh, you know, as, as we thought about later on, that building wouldn't have been ideal for us. God knows better. Do we believe that? Because if we believe that God knows better, being patient is easier. Not easy, but easier. It's easier to be patient with a circumstance than it is to be patient with people. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold the judge standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose. There is a purpose of waiting. You have seen the purpose of the Lord, how compassionate and merciful He is. Now, even as I read at the beginning out of the book of Nahum... There were prophets throughout the Old Testament that prophesied what God was going to do and prophesied what He was going to give Israel and prophesied even judgment on their enemies and amazing things, and they never saw those things come to pass. They even prophesied which affected them detrimentally according to their health, according to their relationships, and to their lives. That's that's what He's talking about. When you're thinking about being patient, think about these guys that prophesied things that we know came to pass, but they never knew that. They died thinking, what was that about? Um, And we know that out of Hebrews 11. Now, the story of Job is an interesting story. It is the story about um, God's response to suffering and our idea. But basically, what, what James is saying is like, I want you to look at the steadfastness of Job. And in a quick kind of cameo, what happened with Job is Job first got all of his cattle, so think all of his money, you know, all of his fields obliterated. Okay? Then all of his family gone in that moment. And to just heap judgment on him, God kept his wife alive. Okay? And you'll see why I mean that because it's, there's an important fact here, right? The only thing that didn't happen to him is he didn't die. He got covered from head to toe in boils. And so now we pick up the, uh, the story of Job in Job 2, verse 8 and 9. Now, he took himself a potsherd. Now, a pot potsherd is a broken piece of clay to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of ashes. So I want you to picture this man full of boils, head to toe, sitting in ashes, taking a broken piece of clay and digging out all the pus and ooze from his boils. You got that picture? You guys ready for lunch? Right? Okay. Now, why am I saying this is the lowest of the low? This is as low as he he, he could be. His family is dead. His cattle is dead. His fields have been burned. All of those kinds of things. So he took for himself a pot sheared with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of his ashes. Then his wife says to him, Job, God will come through for you. Job, be strong. I'm with you. No, his wife says to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Really? Now, I know we've had some fights. Karin has never told me to curse God and die, you know? (laughs) Why does James pick on Job? Because Job had to be patient in circumstances. Job had to be patient with people and Job had to be patient with God. So what happens is all of Job's friends come and say, "Okay, Job, we're going to figure this out for you." And one by one, his friends come and they say to him, "This is obviously because you have hidden sin in your life. You, what you've got to do is you've got to repent, and God will make this better." And Job's like, "No, I don't. There's no reason for this. No, no, no. This is not the kind of God that we serve, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And and so he has to be patient with people. He has to be patient with circumstances. He has to be patient with God. Now, patience, patience is always easier when there's a finish line, right? So, moms, I mean, you know, we just had a baby born yesterday. You, not us. <laughs> that would be quite something, right? <laughs> um, moms, you know, right, that there's, there comes a point where you're like, please, can this baby come out of me? But you know, the baby's, it's going to come out around about 10 months. It isn't nine, right? Those of you that have had a baby, Nicole, it isn't exactly nine. But there's a finish line. You know it's not going to be 11. So, so you can set your gaze to that. Now, what about when there isn't a finish line? Like, God, is there a finish line for the fact that I'm so anxious and depressed? Like, if you said to me, Nick, two years' time, that'll be gone. I'd be like, okay, I can hold on for two years. And so patience is much more difficult to exercise when there isn't this finish line where we're actually saying to God, I don't know why this is happening, but but I trust you and I know that you are kind. Because because in this situation, the situation is not good. Job is not saying the situation is not good, but he's saying, and, and his wife is saying to him, why do you hold on to these ideas that you have about yourself and God? Curse him and die. Is there a friend or a co-worker or a family member where we need to exercise patience with them? Is there a situation or a circumstance that you don't understand why this is happening and you are being called to exercise patience? Patience is honest, finally. Job three, Job responds and says, Cursed, Joe began to speak, and cursed the day he was born. He said, may the day that I was born perish, and the night that said a boy is conceived. Barclay says this, we see him passionately resenting what is happening to him, passionately questioning the conventional arguments of his so-called friends, passionately agonizing over the terrible thought that God may have forsaken him, Few have spoken such passionate words, but in spite of the agonizing questions which tore at his heart, he never lost faith in God. Job 13, 15, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. Though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. Job was steadfast, he was patient, but he also was bewildered. He also was hurt. He was also angry. He was misunderstood by his friends. Being brutally honest with God in times where we don't understand what's going on robs the enemy of the power of secretly sowing seeds of dissent and mistrust against God. Being honest exposes our own motives and our unhealthy attachments to those situations. And being honest opens the door for grace for God to come and heal those disappointments. So the same building that you saw there, um, every day for a month, hey babe? every day for a month, Karin would put our old dog Keegan into the car and she would, she would walk around the church and she would pray. And she would say, God, God, give us this building. For, for a month, she did that. Then, on New Year's Eve, we lost Keegan. Uh, the fireworks went out, we were in an all-night prayer meeting and Keegan was gone. We couldn't find her. Um, and I remember talking to Karen, and she's like, I have no dog, and God didn't give us the building, and I don't know if I can trust him for anything anymore. <laughs> now, we may not say those things. We should. Because the power of those words are broken as she expresses them to God. And as she expresses them to other people, where he say, I know That's difficult. I know that's hard. Losing the building was tough. I can't remember if I said anything about the dog. (laughs) I'm just being honest, you know. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Sometimes we look at each other's lives, their gifts, their possessions and circumstances, and it robs us of patience. This is what makes us Judgmental when we compare our lives. Um, and, and the problem with that is it's, it's unfair, it's inaccurate, and it's also ungodly. This just leads to more internal and external strife. That's why we need to go to God with our honesty. And the problem is we go to God with our honesty. We just don't want God to be that honest with us. Right? We want to be super honest with God, and I recommend that. But when you open the door of honesty... You've got to be willing to receive some honest feedback back. And this is what God says to Job. Job 38, verse 1 to 4. And the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. He said, who is this that obscures my counsel with ignorant words? That's a great start. Get ready to answer me like a man. When I question you, you will inform me. Or when I question you... Let's see what you have to say. Where were you when I established the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. And, and God goes on for a long time basically saying, where were you when I did this? Can you understand this? And ultimately God ends with this jewel, and I remember this, and he says, all of this that I've spoken is but a fringe of my ways. Is even if you understood how all of this could happen, it is literally just the edge of my garment. And you haven't understood anything about me. God wants, why is God doing this? Because he wants to prove he's the big man? No, because he wants to rescue us from myopia, which is like tunnel vision, from self-pity and comparison. He wants to make sure that we're looking at our lives and his goodness and able to understand that somewhere, somehow, there is a plan and purpose for this. God's transcendence, which is what he's telling Job, I am nothing like you. You will never be able to understand me can make us feel small and insignificant. It can actually be a barrier to our relationship with God. But we have relationship with God through Jesus where we are able to bask in the wonder of His eminence. Because God came to us in the form of Jesus to walk with us, to teach us, to show us what spirit-empowered life, what spirit life looks like. And now, as a Christ follower, we have the Holy Spirit in us. If we've received Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit has flooded us. God is with us. He is close to us. This is one of the, the great kind of balancing acts that we walk through in life where God is so unlike us. And yet so near to us. God is so transcendent and so imminent. And so he's reminding Job of that. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that. We can trust him though. Because as James says, he is compassionate and merciful. Psalm 103 verse 8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will He keep His anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions or our sins from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear Him. Why? Because He knows our frame. And he remembers that we are dust. Part of the challenge of being able to exercise patience for others and in other situations is we generally tend to believe that people don't have to exercise patience with us. We're perfect. Why would anyone be annoyed by me? You know, and, so, and so this text is important because we, we understand that God has been kind and gracious and compassionate and is exercising patience toward us. We think we haven't done anything wrong, anything that requires patience or long-suffering, but we were indebted, weighed down by our sins, separated from the Father, embarrassed, ashamed, trying our best to cover up, and what God has done is rescued us through Jesus Christ. He has been patient towards us. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. You know when you're in the, the presence of a, a calm individual. It's like the situation is going crazy and, and someone kind of just steps in. And by their posture, you just feel better. I know you've had the opposite when when someone just comes in and like you were fine and all of a sudden this person, just by their posture and everything, you're like, I am feeling anxious and I have no idea why. We don't pursue patience, we pursue Jesus. Because when Jesus enters our situation and he enters with a sense of absolute control and authority. And he doesn't enter like this, but he enters we say, Jesus, how long? Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. He lifted my feet out of that pit. Now, we know David had been in pits physically. We know that he'd been in pits spiritually. We know there were multiple pits. But we also know that what he did is he quietened his soul. He was honest and he said, God, I invite your calming presence, Jesus to help me with this situation. You can't become, trust me, I know, you can't become a more patient person by just willing it. It is the exact opposite. It just makes you more tense. You know. So I sit there, take a deep breath, count to ten. Ten. got to say, Jesus, I don't know why I'm so ticked off by this. I don't know why I'm so afraid you're not going to give this to me. I don't know why I'm so disappointed that that I haven't received this yet, but I know who you are. You're kind and compassionate. And I know that there is a purpose to this pain. And that is one of the things that is going to help us the most is where we understand that our pain is not purposeless. That God is forming and shaping something in us through this. Uh, Let me say this. I don't have less faith that we're going to get a building. I have more faith. you know what? I've I've told you guys this. I'm not just praying for a building. I'm praying that God gives us a building, that we don't even have to pay for it. So this week was hard for me because I got a phone call from a friend saying, Nick, we just got a building. And I'm like, that's amazing. (laughs) But you know what we did as elders? We said, you know what? We want to bless that church. We sent them money. Why? Because... That, even though it's difficult for me, I still see it as, God, you know what you're doing. And you are able to do these things. And you did it for them. And I can get all twisted. You did it for them and you didn't do it for us. And I said, God, you did it for them. I know you can do it for us. You don't love them more than you love us. I didn't get all internal and think, is there sin in my life? I mean, it's not bad to do that. But I didn't, I didn't like, why is this happening? I just said, okay. God, I know you can do this. And I know you know better for us right now. I don't know what that is. He will never leave us. His purpose will never fail. Our pain is not meaningless. And he will stand with you. So what are you waiting for? This is usually a challenge, right? What are you waiting for? (laughs) Uh, uh. No, what are you waiting for? What individual desire have you prayed for? Submitted to God. Believe that it's the will of God or as the Lord wills, and you're still waiting. Patrick, you can come on. What are you waiting for? What relational or broader circumstance are you and have you been praying for and waiting for? You can see that seed germinate. You're all excited. That early rain has come. And you're like, when is the latter rain going to come? What are you waiting for? What is your role in that as you see the seed germinate in that circumstance as the farmer? Are you to tend? Are you to protect? Are you to train? What is your role in that? I want to invite you to just close your eyes. I'm going to ask you some questions. I just want you to just be in in a posture of receiving. God, what is it that I have prayed for, submitted to you, believe that it is as the Lord wills and I'm still waiting. What relational... Or, broader social situation have I prayed for? I've seen the seed germinate. God, how are you calling me to tend to that? God, who are you calling me to exercise patience with? Who is that person? God, who do you think has to exercise patience with me? I'll leave you with this. May the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Jesus Christ.